share with you the question I've been asking myself on a regular basis since my return from Southeast Asia. Uh, the question was, how deep do we go with this thing called Christianity, with this walk with the Lord? I talked about the often unrealized freedom that we have to ask more questions and to explore more options in our lives as we journey on with the Lord to those deeper places. I shared about the questions posed by Pastor Richard Wormbrandt in the Romanian prison camp under daily torture and the answers the Lord provided to him that enabled him to love and forgive his tormentors so consistently and so powerfully that many of them came to a saving knowledge of Jesus and became, as Pastor Wormbrandt was, a prisoner for Christ. Now this week I want to add to the question from last week and explore some possible options that the scriptures say are available to us as the bride of Christ. So the question now becomes twofold. Number one, how deep do we go? And number two, what will we find? I want to start exploring this question at the end of beginnings. Genesis 50. This is uh, the end of the story of Joseph's time in Egypt. He's been restored to his family, his brothers who sold him into slavery. He's ruling over Egypt uh, under only Pharaoh himself. And he's on his deathbed. And Joseph said to his brothers, I'm about to die, but God will visit you and bring you up out of this land to the land that he swore to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. Then Joseph made the sons of Israel swear, saying, God will surely visit you, and you shall carry up my bones from here. So the last recorded prophetic words in the book of Genesis, the book of beginnings, are a promise. God will surely visit you. And he did. He came as a burning bush, a pillar of fire and a cloud. He has come as the angel of the Lord, as the captain of the host of the army of the Lord. He came to the prophets as a still small voice and as a consuming fire, as well as the fourth man in the fire in Babylon. He has come as Emmanuel, God with us, when he came as a man in the person of Jesus Christ. And saints, he promises, he promises he is coming again. Revelation 22.10 says this, And he said to me, the Lord said to me, Do not seal up the words of the prophecy of this book, for the time is near. Let the evildoers still do evil, and the filthy still be filthy, and the righteous still do right, and the holy still be holy. Behold, I am coming soon, bringing my recompense or my reward with me to repay everyone for what he has done. Has anyone noticed how well-defined the line is getting? How absolutely volatile and evil evil has become? How flagrant in its abuse of goodness. I mean, I think of ISIS and 
the way they're just broadcasting their evil, you know, boasting about the, the horrific things that they're doing, and the world is just like, ho-hum, I'm glad it's over there and not here. I'm coming soon is what that says to me. I'm coming soon. Let them still be evil. What are you going to do to change them? But let the righteous still be righteous. Don't let their evil dissuade you from the good God has for you. I find it interesting that the book of beginnings, Genesis, ends with a prophetic promise and that the whole of the revealed word of God, the Bible, ends with a whole book of prophetic promise. And that the message is the same. God will surely visit you. I hope and I pray that none of you has lost sight of the glorious promise that you have not stopped looking for and longing, longing for his return because if you have, you will find yourself in a very dark place. Listen to the admonition Paul gives to the Corinthian church in 1 Corinthians 15. If in Christ we have hope in this life only, and I mean, we preach this, don't we? about how better your life can be. And, you know, sometimes we get locked into that small box that it's all about how good my life can become. It's all about the right now. It's that instant gratification. It's church has become the drive through McDonald's window where you hand in your money and you grab your grab bag and you fill your face and you feel good. And, oh, I like being a Christian. This is easy. If you're in that, listen to what Paul says. We are, of all people, most to be pitied. If this is all there is, this isn't much. It really isn't much. Remember what he promised to his disciples when he commissioned them to go into the whole world to preach the gospel and make disciples. He said, Behold, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Joseph prophesied that God would visit us. Jesus assures us now, that now that he has, he will not leave us nor forsake us. We are secure in him until the end, and there is an end. But I want to bring some clarity to this idea of the end. I think we have a cinematic idea of the end being destruction and total annihilation this movie version of some great catastrophe happening that none survive or maybe, you know, a few float off into space. And when in fact the scripture is clear that in Jesus the end is the restoration of all things as it was in the garden in the beginning. No more sorrow, suffering, death, or tears. Listen to how the prophet Isaiah envisions it in Isaiah 25.8. It says, he, that is Jesus, will swallow up death forever. That's the end, folks. That's what we have in store. No more death. And the Lord, the Lord God, will wipe away tears from all faces. And the reproach of his people he will take away from all the earth, for the Lord has spoken it. 
This is the promise. This is what we have in store. This is what's coming. This is what's called the end. Listen, Jesus is very protective regarding what he has in store for us who believe and follow him and issues a strong warning against tampering with this truth. In Revelation twenty-two sixteen, I, Jesus, have sent my angel to testify to you about these things to the churches. For I am the root and the descendant of David, the bright morning star. The spirit and the bride say, come, and let the one who hears say, come, and let the one who is thirsty come. Let the one who desires to take the water of life without price come. I want everyone who hears the words of the prophecy of this book. If anyone adds to them, God will add to him the plagues described in this book. If anyone takes away from the words of the book of this prophecy, God will take away his share in the tree of life and in the holy city, which are described in this book. He who testifies these things says, Surely I am coming soon. Amen. Finished. Amen. Come. Lord Jesus, amen. So let's take a look at the fulfillment of his promise through Joseph in Exodus 13. And just for your general information, we're looking at over 400 years between the giving of this promise and its fulfillment, which is exactly what God told Abraham in Genesis 15, 13. The Lord said to Abraham, Know for certain that your offspring will be sojourners in a land that is not theirs and will be servants there, and they will be afflicted for 400 years. And Joseph understands that God is using him to prophetically jumpstart this period while at the same time he is looking ahead to the promise to come. When you leave, take me with you. I'm just going to be a bag of bones, but don't leave me behind. Because I know God is coming. And they do. In Exodus 13, 17, when Pharaoh let the people go, God did not lead them by the way of the land of the Philistines, although it was near. For God said, lest the people change their mind when they see war and return to Egypt. But God led the people around by the way of the wilderness towards the Red Sea, and the people of Israel went up out of the land of Egypt equipped for battle. Moses took the bones of Joseph with him. 400 years later, he fulfilled Joseph's request. Moses took the bones of Joseph with him, for Joseph had made the sons of Israel solemnly swear, saying, God will surely visit you, and you shall carry up my bones with you from here. And they moved on from Sukkoth and encamped at Etham at the edge of the wilderness. And the Lord went before them by day in a pillar of cloud to lead them along the way, and by night in a pillar of fire to give them light, that they might travel by day and by night. The pillar of cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night did not depart from before the people. The first thing that we find when we go deeper are that God's presence become more obvious at all times, day and night. Does anyone notice the increase of of impact of the presence of Holy Spirit as of late? 
I mean, it isn't just Sunday morning anymore, is it? I'm hearing more and more stories of, you know, the supermarket, at Walmart, at the workplace, you know, bumped into so-and-so, and, oh, can I pray for you right now, you know, the, the food pantry on Thursdays. It's more and more the presence of the Lord has become obvious to us. The Lord is visiting us. And that there is a purpose. It says to lead them and to give them light. Those were the two purposes of the abiding presence for the children of Israel in the wilderness. To lead them and to give them light. What was Jesus' most consistent invitation? Follow me. Follow me. He wants to lead us. And what does he testify about himself in John 8.12? Again, Jesus spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. I know that this can sound very ethereal, like what's this got to do with my life right now? And that is probably the question the Corinthians asked Paul. And there is no doubt that life improves exponentially the deeper you go in Christ, but is really not about this life. It's about what is coming. And what Jesus has in store for us in the future is so far greater than what he can give us now that if you are stuck in the now and have not tasted the not yet, then your Christian experience will remain shallow and lacking of the joy of the Lord. If God was willing and faithful to bring fulfillment to fulfillment a prophetic promise spoken by a mere man on his deathbed, how much more will he bring into your reality all of those promises spoken by his own beloved son who has defeated death and conquered the grave? 2 Corinthians 1.20, Paul says, For all the promises of God find their yes in him, find their yes in Jesus. That is why it is through him that we utter our amen to God for his glory. For it is God who establishes us with you in Christ and has anointed us and who has also put his seal on us and given us his spirit in our hearts as a guarantee. You are guaranteed to be redeemed for the promises of God to come at the end of the age. If you have the seal of the Spirit, you are already a spiritual being. You already live in eternity. Let me share just a few snippets of the prophetic promises spoken by Jesus to the church as a sure and steadfast anchor for the soul. I'll read the beginning and the end verses here because it seems to be the overriding context of what we've looked at today. But I want to encourage you to read the middle for yourself. It is what we have been given to do, to live out some portion of the middle of this thing called life in Christ. Revelation 21, verses 1 through 7. Then I saw, and if you want, you can close your eyes and try to envision this in your mind. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. 
For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. Big change, isn't it, for him? He will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain any more, for the former things have passed away. This is the end. This is the after effect of the end. And he who was seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. He doesn't say, I'm wiping everything out. I'm annihilating everything. I'm setting the earth on fire so it just becomes a cinder floating in space, does he? I make all things new. This is the promise coming to you from God. Also, he said, write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. If you can count on anything, you can count on this. Jesus is coming again, and it's going to be good. And he said to me, it's done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty I will give from the spring of the water of life without payment. The one who conquers will have this heritage, and I will be his God, and he will be my son, or she will be my daughter. This is the place that God is leading us to within his divine purpose in order that he might be our light Here's the tail end of these same scriptures in Revelation 21, starting in verse 23. Please read the middle. And the city has no need of sun or moon to shine on it, for the glory of God gives it light, and its lamp is the Lamb. By its light will the nations walk, and the kings of the earth will bring their glory into it, and its gates will never be shut by day, and there will be no light there. They will bring into it the glory and the honor of the nations. Jesus himself will be the light of the whole world. As he was at the beginning, he will be again at the end. As Adam and Eve were at the beginning, we will be again in the end. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, I pray today, O God, that you would release an anointing in this place today for your people to catch a glimpse of the hope of the glory that is to come. I pray, O God, that we would catch a taste, catch a glimpse, have a smell of the fragrance or an experience of the power of the age to come, that you would come and visit us now, O God, as you visited the children of Israel upon the promises of Joseph. Lord, one greater than Joseph has come, Jesus Christ, God in the flesh, Emmanuel, God with us, has come and promised us that he will visit us again. Come now, Holy Spirit.
visit your people. Anchor our souls to this great hope, O God, of the second coming of our glorious Lord and King Jesus Christ. When every eye will see him and every tongue will confess that he is Lord to the glory of God. Lord, when the trumpet sounds and and the heavens open, O God, and your glory is revealed to every creature, O God, none will deny who you are. But we, your people, know now, O God, and we ask, Lord, that you empower that knowledge uh, into a great hope and faith within us that we might lay hold of the not yet for those who are stuck in this now world of, of sin and pain and suffering and great evil, O God, that we might be light to them. Come and visit the camp, O God. Bring that pillar of fire to us, O God, that we might be led by you in the darkness of the night. Bring that cloud of your presence, O God, that we might see you and know how to walk in these days, Lord God. Lord, set this hope in our hearts today. Perhaps you are here today and You've never even considered these things. You've never known that there's so much more to the salvation that Jesus Christ offers to us that you thought it was just this idea of, well, I'll get forgiven of my sin and I'll feel better. You never knew there was a kingdom that you had been born into. Perhaps you've never invited Christ into your heart as your Lord and Savior. I want to tell you it's an awesome, awesome opportunity to step into all the goodness of creator God, that he sent his son to die on a cross to pay the price for our sin, that we might live in freedom and liberty and in in relationship with the living God to know his voice and to walk in his power and to have these great promises laid before us and to enter into eternal life now. If you want to know him today, if you want to receive Christ as your Lord and Savior, I want to invite you to come up and receive prayer. We'll explain the scriptures to you. We'll lead you into a relationship with Jesus. Or perhaps you know Jesus as Lord and Savior, but you've not been baptized with the Holy Spirit. You've not received that fire in your heart, that seal of promise that guarantees you already are an, an eternal being. I want to invite you to come up this morning. We'll pray that the Lord will baptize you with his presence, fill you with his Holy Spirit, that you'll begin to live eternally now. Holy Spirit, come.